Welcome to Two Pediatricians in a Podcast, a podcast where two pediatricians discuss child health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Rostein. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians from UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. Hi, my name's Katie, and I'm the parent of three children, one in second grade, one in fourth grade, and one in fifth grade. There are some parents I know that prefer their children to do unstructured play because they believe it's important for their child's development. Other parents disagree and want their children to participate in more planned learning activities that will prepare them for school. After hearing both, I don't know what's best for my children. What do you recommend? It's play. When does play get to be so complicated? Play. I mean, Why are they medicalizing play? I mean, kids play. It's like really natural, right? No, but it's so important and it's a really important topic to discuss. It is natural, but mm-hmm. we have to encourage it and foster it and talk about it. Okay, so why is play so important? Well, look at the research. So people research play? I want to get into that field. I'd like to research play. Of course, play is research. Play is vital to child development and is also key in supporting parents and their kids and their interactions with one another. But it's just kids playing, right? Yeah, it is. But it also promotes a safe, stable, and nurturing relationship. Okay, so why else is play important? Children play different roles, so they get to experiment with being different people. A Mm -hmm. mom, a teacher, a dad, a doctor. Mm -hmm. So they, they learn. Yep, and then they become more competent through this play. Okay. So they learn about the world and how to organize and engage in problem solving. I can see that. But there's a bit of a play crisis emerging. A play crisis? What what do you mean? Our society is very focused on academics and children learning. That's a good thing, right? It is a good thing, but if we emphasize structured teaching as early as preschool, then we can be missing out on some of this less structured, playful learning. And you're saying that's a problem? It can be. Okay, and how is it a problem? For example, social skills are a part of playful learning. Yes. And if children miss out on this, then they don't have practice opportunities to help them with listening, attention, problem solving with their peers through words and negotiation. So that's important. But let's take a step back. How do you define play? Well, there are different types of play. Such as? There's free play. So free play would be something that, like, the child leads. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's opposed to play that's set up by parents. Or another adult, right? Like a teacher. So parents may introduce certain toys or themes or suggest, hey, let's play this game. Okay, so it sounds like parent-led play may have more goals. Often, it does. Okay, so let's get back to child-led play. It's an activity that's totally intrinsically motivated. So children want to do it. Right, and they're actively engaged in it. And they're involved. Mm -hmm, And they have joyful discovery throughout the process. And so they're happy when they're playing. Mm -hmm. It's completely voluntary. Nobody's forcing the child to play. And play does not have obvious goals, this type of play. Right, so it's, it's free form. It's fun and spontaneous. So what are some of the benefits of playing? When children play, they're usually very engaged and completely absorbed with this activity. So it's almost like their job is to play. It's funny you should say that. Why? Dr. Maria Montessori called play the work of the child. Dr. Montessori, like Montessori schools. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Hmm, So play is really important. 
Yep, it builds executive functioning skills. Okay, so executive function meaning like the kids wearing a three-piece suit and carrying a briefcase and in the corner <laughs> office, or you got to—I no, think you're gonna have to you define know, that. <laughs> you know what executive functioning is? We've talked about it on some of our other episodes. We but have. It allows people to plan, organize, and complete tasks. Okay, and so that's um, obviously very important skills for children to develop. It also helps children be ready to enter school. I can see that. And it often involves imagination and make-believe, so it helps with their creativity. So that really involves pretending, right? Mm-hmm. And children act out adult roles that they have observed before. So this really um, gives them practice in maturing. And helps with their interactions with others. Okay, I can see that. But play is critically important for developing skills that we know children will need in order to be successful. So what sort of skills? Problem solving, collaboration, and creativity. So these are really important skills. Mm -hmm. And we think our future will involve more innovation, less imitation, and more creativity and less conforming when children learn these skills. Mm -hmm. So this is important for children's success. It's not just about them having fun. Right. It's also about acquiring skills and learning through the process. So explain more about learning. Play is very important in teaching children to take risks, experiment, and test their boundaries, which is sometimes what parents don't like about play. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But this also allows the child to learn and really to move forward and become more competent. Exactly. So playful learning can be really a complement to more traditional type of learning environments. Yep, and children learn better when they themselves are in control of their actions. So we really need to make sure that they have these play opportunities. Yes. Okay, so I've heard about different categories of play. Can you tell us about them? Sure. First, there's object play. So let me guess, that involves an object? (laughs) (laughs) Yep, this is when an infant or child is exploring an object. So is it heavy? Is it light? Mm -hmm. Is it cold or warm? Yep. And then there's another category, which involves physical or motor play. And so this involves, like, moving around. Mm-hmm, like patty cake and infants. Or free play in older children, like recess and running around. Exactly. <laughs> okay, and what about playing, like, more formal games? Is that useful? Yeah, one benefit is that in these more formal games, like Tag or Red Rover, mm-hmm. you usually have a child that loses and a child that wins. And so when they lose, that's a good thing? Yeah, you can learn to lose graciously. Okay, and I suppose this helps them to learn empathy also. Right, they can learn from a different perspective. They can learn to think about how others feel. For example, if they lost the game last time, and now one of their friends loses the game, they remember, hey, that felt pretty crummy when I lost last time. Maybe I'm going to be a good sport and support my friend who may mm-hmm. be feeling And be way. nice about it and not... Gloat, not be be an arrogant winner type of a person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, and what about um, outdoor play? Outdoor play often occurs at recess, and studies have shown that more recess actually leads to greater academic success. Wow, that's important. I wish I had more recess when I was a kid. (laughs) It's always funny when you notice when kids come into the office and you ask them, what's your favorite part of school? 90% recess. Recess, right. Which is good. So we are supporting that. We support recess. So there's also social or pretend play. And that's um, experimenting with different roles. Mm -hmm. So they can learn to negotiate and cooperate as they play these roles. 
Okay, now all this talk about play, does it affect the brain? It does. So how, how does it affect the brain? Without going into too much detail, play has been shown to cause beneficial molecular and cellular changes within the brain. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And with brain structure as well. And with the brain structure? More toys, more opportunity to play leads to bigger and more developed brains. So bigger brains sounds like better brains as a general rule. You're right. Much of this research involves animals, not humans, but likely applies to human brains as well. Okay, so I'm, I'm getting it that play is really important I'm for children. I'm glad you're getting it. <laughs> okay. Play is important. So let's review some of the benefits of play. Better executive functioning. That's better planning and achieving goals. Better language and math skills. Obviously very important. Mm -hmm. Improved social skills and peer relationships. Also very important. Better physical development and health down the line. That's a lot of benefits. Plus one more. Children who play are more confident. Well, what about the opposite of that? You mean if children play less? Yeah, is that harmful? Yeah, some studies have shown that children deprived of play have more attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD. Wow. Are there benefits to adults when they play with children? Because now I'm thinking, like, I kind of want to play, right? (laughs) Speaking from personal experience, yes. But also, when adults play, they find it gives them joy, just like you and I do, you know? Right. Then any any other benefits? It's also beneficial for adults to see the world from a child's perspective. So this may make it easier for them to communicate and empathize with their child. Yeah, and you learn to appreciate your child's sense of humor, their unique personality. So you feel closer to the child. Any other benefits? One study found that more playing resulted in less stress in parents. Well, that really makes a lot of sense. Yes, (laughs) definitely. So what are some of the challenges regarding play? As we mentioned at the beginning, there's a lot of focus these days on academic achievement. We want kids to be successful at school. Yeah, schools have been focusing more on test results. And that's going to lead to more homework. And more stress in children. And then there's less time for play. That's right. In fact, many schools have cut back on recess, physical education, art classes, music classes, in order to have more time focused on testing. And even some neighborhoods may not have safe playgrounds. And this down the line leads to less opportunities for play. So are children playing less than before? This is hard to quantify, but studies suggest that children are playing 25 to 30 percent less now compared to 30 years ago. Wow. So I like, I mean, 30 years ago, I wasn't playing, but maybe (laughs) I grew up in like the golden era of playing because that's a real problem, especially when we've talked about all the benefits of play. Yeah, so I think we need to be encouraging more opportunities for children to play. How can we do this? Well, it depends on the child's age. Okay, so let's start like right after birth for for infants. So parents can observe and respond to nonverbal behaviors of their infants within the first few months of life. So, for example... Parents can respond if their child smiles at them, they can smile back. And that's a form of play? It actually is. It teaches a child a critical social and emotional skill. If you get my attention with a smile, I will smile back at you. And all you have to do is smile at me, and I will interact with you. Okay, and parents enjoy this too. Oh, yeah. Parents absolutely love this. It's a shared mutual experience that gives the child a sense of belonging, a sense of me and you belong together. So that's interesting. What else? Show infants interesting objects. Point out everything that's interesting to you. So what kind of interesting objects? 
like a brightly colored mobile or toy you can look at together and talk about the colors, talk out loud, spin, you know, really interact with it with your infant. So is it specifically related to the object or is it more specifically related to the shared experience? It's way more related to the shared experience. Infants will choose their parents over objects any day. Okay, I'm glad to hear that. How about making faces at the infant? <laughs> that makes me laugh because I have seen you do that with kids. I, Definitely. I well, that is also a good idea. You can engage with them. They can animate your funny sounds and your gestures. Okay, what about um, older infants? For 7 to 12 months, you can use a mirror. You can show what their face looks like. You can make faces. Okay. And always provide a safe environment for a child this age to crawl around, use their hands, explore. Mm-hmm. What about playing peekaboo? Yeah, peekaboo is a good one for interaction, and that one has definitely spanned the generation. What about older children, like one to three-year-olds? Children this age love to spend time with toys. Yeah, they like to figure out how things work. Yeah, they're growing their motor skills. They're using their hands. They want to actually touch and manipulate objects. What about coloring? Coloring is fabulous. So give these kids pens, markers, crayons, and paper and just let them go wild. And what about playing with each other? Playing with other kids their own age is a great form of play. And we, we generally recommend books at this age too, right? At all ages, really. From the very beginning, you should be reading regularly to your children. And this has a lot of benefits, right? Tons of benefits for verbal development and reading skills and cognitive skills down the line. And what about singing? Of course, the same thing. Singing songs, playing rhythm, so getting the pots and pans out in the kitchen <laughs> and letting them bang around. This is a great age for doing that. And older children, four- to six-year-olds? Keep up the singing, dance. Okay, what else? Tell stories and discuss things with them. Okay, we talked about role-playing before. This is a great age for role-playing and acting out imaginary scenes, trying different roles. I always laugh because one of my friend's um, two-year-old comes over. His favorite toy in our house is our vacuum cleaner. Oh, really? Because she says he mimics her when she does that. So mm -hmm. that's a great thing to play. You don't even you know, need to buy toys sometimes. <laughs> right. What about playing with um, friends? Absolutely. Kids this age should play and interact with their friends as much as possible. And outdoor activities? Are definitely encouraged. Okay, so there's one more area that I think we should talk about. And what's that? So we've talked about play, but we've hardly mentioned toys at all. Mm -hmm. So what are the best toys for kids? That depends on their stage and development. And we want to make sure they're safe, too, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Okay, so can you give us some good examples of good toys for toddlers? Well, toddlers like to take things apart and put them back together. And build things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So toys that fit together would be good. Yep, like blocks, interlocking blocks, nesting cups. Those are all great. Okay, what about making sure that the child does not outgrow the toy too fast? Some toys are good at different developmental stages. Like which ones? Like plastic toy animals, action figures, doll houses, trains, and other vehicles, stuffed animals and dolls. They can use them throughout different developmental stages. So the young kids can play with them and the older kids can use them to act out a story, for example. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what about toys that help children learn problem solving? Puzzles or shape sorters are great for this. And any more creative toys? 
I always recommend art materials like clay, paint, crayons, things they can get their hands dirty with. Mm-hmm. Or Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. Play-Doh's awesome. Okay. And what about older children, like three-year-olds? Well, at that age, they're getting more creative and more imaginative. Right. So what toys are good for them as they are pretending and they're acting out stories? They love action figures, trains and trucks. Dress-up clothes are great. So when I was growing up, we had like the dress-up box Uh and everything would go in there and then we would just pull that out. It was like kind of like a treasure chest. Uh Uh-huh. That sounds like fun. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're really inexpensive too. Okay. So what other inexpensive items are good? A large cardboard box can be amazing. You can make that into a fort, a house, a ship, a tunnel. They can kind of let their imaginations run wild. So, yeah, that's a lot of room for a child's imaginations. And what about things that are like that are like real? Mm-hmm. There's toy food. You can have little plastic plates. You can have toy tools, phones, musical instruments. They're all great because then they can kind of mimic you know, adult activities, which they really enjoy doing. And we also talked about reading. Right. So in addition to books, there's these magnetic alphabet letters they can play with. So there's tons of reading-related and um, word-related toys that you can find. What about more active toys? There's balls that encourage things like gross motor development, like kicking and throwing. Um, There are toys that you can pull on, wagons where you're learning to, you know, pull. Those Mm -hmm. are all fun. So it's interesting when you consider the toys that we were talking about. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, they're all kind of what I would think of as like classic toys. Yeah, they are. They're kind of tried and true choices that have been around maybe even since you were growing up. (laughs) They have been, right. But really, they're not the most trendy toys, are they? Right. Parents do not need to spend a lot of money for high-quality and educational toys for their kids. So they don't have to have the latest toys or the latest electronics, for example. That's right. So these are great ideas, great tips for toys and for play. It's a really, really fun topic. Any other advice for parents? Next time your child wants to play with you, do it. It's good for the child. It's good for you. Just drop what you're doing and get on the floor, play imagination games with your kids, you know, take that old Amazon box that you're going to get over the holidays and, you know, draw on it, climb into it, pretend you're on an airplane, just let your imagination run wild. Mm -hmm. So let's get back to the phone call question, which was comparing more of the child-led play with the free form Mm -hmm. versus the adult-led play, which was more goal-oriented and Mm -hmm. to make sure that the child would learn more. And Mm -hmm. what what do you think? I think we need to make sure we have freeform child-led play mm-hmm. in there. I think that the adult-led play is important, but we can't lose that child-led play where they're really developing their creativity, their social skills, their, you know, imagination. And so... And all the benefits that we've really talked about. Right. So that reminds me of a um, talking about play <laughs> and thinking of playgrounds. It reminds me of a joke. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so why did the chicken cross the playground? Um, why? To get to the other slide. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> so, we thank Dr. Rachel Talamantes, who is a marriage family therapist in private practice in San Jose, California, for reviewing today's topic. Although myself and Dr. Lena take responsibility for any errors or misinformation. And that wraps up today's episode of Two Pediatricians in a Podcast. You can find more information about all of these subjects on our Facebook page, TWO, Peds in a Pod, all one word. 
Our website is at blog.ucdmc.ucdavis.edu slash two peds in a pod slash. Follow us on Twitter at two underscore peds, the number two underline P-E-D-S. Or Instagram at the number two peds in a pod, no spaces. If you're enjoying listening to our podcast, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we'd love to hear from you. You can call us at 916-915-3388. Or email us at 2thenumber2pedsinapod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us for our next podcast. Two Pediatricians in a Podcast is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. So, what was your favorite toy or game growing up? You know, when I was um, thinking about this, when I wasn't sure, but then when <laughs> we play. but then when we mentioned the cardboard boxes, I just remember that. This one time where my best friend, Dave, and I, that we had these cardboard boxes, and we, like, had, had we, we sat in the cardboard boxes as if they were spaceships, and we, we drew out stories about that we were going through outer space and visiting different planets, and it was, like, the most fun time that maybe I've had in my entire life <laughs> was these cardboard yeah. boxes and drawing, and yeah. it was just fun. I was so, I remember being... So unhappy when like it was over when Dave had to go home. Yeah, that, that was like that was like the most fun I can ever remember playing. Mine was similar. Like we would play restaurant and we would like send out these menus to the whole neighborhood. And my parents would give us like <laughs> four items or something. They would give us like a thing of bananas and like a loaf of bread and like you know one other item and then we would like have to make up all of these items and then hand out these menus to the neighbors and they would all come over because <laughs> it was like a, you know everybody was always out at that time like uh-huh. in the front yard or in the street playing and they all had young kids so everyone would come over and we would like be the waitress and the cook and everyone and we would you know have this restaurant in our front yard and it was fun for the parents too because i'm sure they were like inside eating real food as we were like <laughs> mashing bananas uh-huh. and <laughs> putting them on bread um, but those, you know, that probably cost next to nothing mm-hmm. and it was really a fun experience for all of the kids to get to like run a restaurant. Mm-hmm. I must have been like four between the ages of four and six. Well, I think you also point out some of the challenges that parents are having now, which is that all the concerns about safety, yeah. right? I mean, when I was growing up in the olden days, I mean, the front door was kept unlocked. The kids yeah. would go out in the street all the time. Um, and we could play all yeah. the time. And mm-hmm. now, you know, parents worry about that. And for good reason, parents yeah. worry about that and yeah. about safety for their children. Yeah. And so they just don't have the same opportunities. Yeah. So we need to make sure, you know, if you live in a community that there's safe places for people mm-hmm. to gather, you know, you can open up your front yard or your backyard and invite other kids over. So there's still opportunities to do it, but it is harder. I agree. Mm-hmm. One way in our neighborhood that we've addressed that problem is we, we're, we're close with the neighbors. We really like our neighbors, and oftentimes we get together for them for like a barbecue or something, mm-hmm. like on Memorial Day or Labor Day or July 4th or something like that. And instead of doing that in the backyard, mm-hmm. 
which is the more traditional place to do that. We call we call them driveway dinners. Uh-huh. We do we set up the tables in the driveway in the front yard. We're part of the neighborhood. Yeah, the kids are there. The kids are playing on the lawn in the front, and so it's um you know it's I a like way to idea. like That's be in the idea. community and like really provide a safe community place for kids to play. Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah.